What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Double Shot, a sports podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Hector, and on the other mic, we got uh, John Paul, JP Lugo. How's it going, JP? It's going pretty good. I just uh, went, woke up first thing in the morning, got Daniel Jones, a.k.a. Danny Dimes, on my fantasy football team. <laughs> Give it up for Danny Dimes. <laughs> Did you have him, really? No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, dude, if you actually started him, that you are a modern marvel, and I need to pick your brain <laughs> because no one actually saw him putting up those kinds of numbers. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, he. Um, I have to say, after last week, where there was so much. Um, you know, just as a fan of the league and just a fan of seeing young players get their time in and uh, inspiring hope in their teams, and we'll get all into this whenever we talk more about the about the Giants and his performance. I just like seeing young players do well. I like seeing guys come onto the scene. Yeah, absolutely, and it feels like it feels like a whole new era is coming in. I, I've been, I've been, it's kind of been feeling like that for the past couple of years, but. I don't think it's been stronger than it is this year. I mean, it, these kids are coming in, they're coming in hot and they're taking advantage of the positions that they're put in and the situations that they're put in. And it, it almost, it kind of sucks because in Daniel Jones's situation, you know, we're seeing a two time Super Bowl champion kind of get like drift out of the picture. Uh, in Kyle Allen's situation, we're seeing maybe him pushing somebody else out. Maybe it might be too soon, but, uh, but yeah, it's exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, with that, um, let me see. Where do you want to kick off? You want to? Um, okay, so this episode, while we're going over undefeated teams. Yeah, so we'll we'll be talking a little bit about uh, about the undefeated teams. We're gonna rank the undefeated teams. There's only seven left. Uh, a couple of fantasy moves. Obviously, everybody's been uh, picking up Danny Dimes is gonna be the hottest commodity on the waiver wire this week. And then we'll jump into a little bit of NBA action. We'll talk about something that I'm still a little sore about, but uh, we'll see how it plays out with Kawhi Leonard in, in L.A. and the new tampering rules in the NBA. So we got a little bit to talk about this. I think it's going to be a good episode today. <sighs> okay. All right. Then. Should we start off should we Start off with America's team, America's undefeated team? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and for those of you who hate them, they still are and always will be america's team there's a hole in the top of at&t stadium so god can watch his cowboys play football on sundays oh my god that's such a corny thing that's like that's like a meme that my dad would come across <laughs> thinking it's so creative <laughs> <laughs> oh that's because god. your dad probably is a diehard fan and he deserves the recognition so yes <laughs> he is his birthday is actually next month i need to figure out a gift for him when in doubt always get something cowboys related for my dad so i need to figure that out soon Oh, yeah, dude. Cowboys Packers, for sure. I have to say, though. Okay, so they got the win. 31-6 to over the Dolphins. Sounds like a blowout. Didn't really feel like it, though. It's it's those... it's those No, no. It's those damn slow starts. Like, they can never get things going in the first quarter. First half, really, in this game. And um, I just kind of... I don't really know what to take away from this game because it didn't really... This should have been like a definitive, like objectively a blowout game, and it just didn't really come across that way. They needed to really iron things out at halftime in order to pick things up. It was ten to six. Miami actually had more yardage than they did, and you know, a part of um, 
the score was because Miami missed a field goal and had a fumble in the red zone. I don't really know what to... How did you feel watching this game? Yeah, it definitely... And I'll tell you what, this is... I was a little weary about going into this game. Um, what usually happens with the Dallas Cowboys is that we're we're on a hot streak and then we go into this trap game. And we, it's, a, it's always a game against a team with a losing record who we should steamroll and we always somehow find a way to lose or be in trouble and and we dig ourselves into a hole and then it's hard to come back out of we got well i'm not going to say that we got lucky in winning that game but we got lucky in in getting the momentum back at the time that we did when Kenyon Drake made that fumble in the red zone um i think if he didn't do that and they score a touchdown they go up by the half it's a completely different game but I am kind of thankful for the way it played out. I was scared in the beginning. I was like, it's it's happening again. Chosen Rosen <laughs> is going to come out here, and, and he's going to drop a W on us. Are you kidding me? But it was just the right amount of scare to take into the half and then the perfect amount of comeback in the second half. Uh, I understand that we have been a second-half team, and, yeah, I would like to pick it up in the first half. But going down like that, being up only four points, I think, or eight points, something like that, to uh, – to the Dolphins at the half, I think it was a reality check that we were still able to come out of. So I'm grateful for that. And, uh, you know, it's a kick in the mouth, and, and they have to pick it up. And I think they know that now, especially going to, to New Orleans next yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, in the second half, they really did pick it up. Um, Amari Cooper with two touchdowns. Um, Tony Pollard came in once the game was kind of decided, had a really good game, including his own touchdown. Um, there was a huge play to Randall Cobb that unfortunately was called back due to penalty, but still uh, carry the momentum for them. Um, I just, um, you know, I just wish that I could see this throughout an entire game. Like, I don't remember. I, I remember reading on Twitter during the game that says, you're not a real Cowboys fan if you don't think that there's a chance that they lose this game. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that yeah. sums it up exactly. Just like, what, what the, the what if? Just like, what if Miami actually strings it together and we just suck again? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because we know, we know that that's just how we're just so used to 20 years of letdowns that it's just, it's come to be the norm and we just don't want to be excited by it anymore. Um, but I will say this, Dak Prescott in the third quarter, just in the third, in the third quarter throughout the first three games is 22 of 22 with 384 yards uh-huh. and three touchdown passes. So he's, I mean... I get it. Yeah, we should start faster, but hey, as long as we finish that strong, mm-hmm. and I think in the in the second half, he's like thirty seven of of like forty two or something like that. Like it's 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 a really close stat, also, or twenty seven of four of thirty something. But he's they're performing. You know, it's taken them a little while, but once they get those wheels going, they're they're performing, um, and that's what's making them. Um, a, a tough team to stick with. Whenever you finish that strong, it's just hard to stick around with somebody like yeah, that. Yeah, I have to say, even though I do wish that they could pick things up throughout the whole game, it is a little comforting to know that they're able to pull away in the second half, that they don't really let that get to them. <clears throat> don't really let that get to them about um, struggling to begin with. And um, I have to say, too, even though um, the first half, the passing game was a little flat, I have to say, even with the interception, I think I was kind of happy with how Dak Prescott was playing. Sometimes 
I don't mind seeing my quarterback whenever he is having um, an odd game like that. Well, the whole team is having an odd game like that and just bombing it like, well, like 40, 50 yards deep into traffic, just trying, just kind of forcing something to happen. I feel like if anything, Dak has one of his faults has been being too conservative. And even though one of them ended up with an interception, I was happy to see him just like making those risks, trying to force something because they had to get the flow going somehow. And so I just, I'm just happy to see Dak trying to make that happen. And I feel like that's the next big step in his game is to, you know, kind of a see the play through before it actually happens, like learn, like getting better with his anticipation and trying to, you know, um, play it by ear, trying to figure things out on the fly. So I was, I was really happy to see that at least. Yeah. He's definitely becoming more of a, of a, I don't want to sound too biased or, or, or too overbearing, but he's becoming the total package that we need him to be. Every year that he's played in the NFL, he's scored exactly six rushing touchdowns. Um, he's already got one this year, so that pace isn't going anywhere. He's, um, you know, the, the whole critique about him was that he can't throw the long ball. He can't throw the long ball. Since he started, uh, since he started as quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, the only two quarterbacks that have thrown more yard, more passes of 50 uh, yards than Dak Prescott are Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady. And and so, you know, he's and, – and now people are kind of trying or, – are starting to see that. Like, he's – he can throw it. He can't. It's just like not to the to the extent of Lamar Jackson, the, but the, the criticism was there. You know, and he's starting to shut people up with that. He's got Jason Winton back, which is a good safety blanket, and it makes the linebackers kind of focus more on the short pass – um, which does open the back, uh, the deep threat for him, but uh, yeah, he's learning to utilize all his weapons, and 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 the relationship with Amari is through the roof. It's amazing yeah, to see. Yeah, it really is. It was it was their connection really that was able to help them separate themselves from Miami yesterday, and um and like you said too about um becoming the total package. I mean, I have to I have to agree at this point because my uh, my qualms with him before this season was that. He was, I mean, he was, he was athletic, he was big, mobile, but didn't really have the, the, the precision, the kind of a, the next level in his passing game that, you know, you kind of need whenever you, you have Super Bowl aspirations. But, um, I mean, to his credit, he's a lot, he's been a lot better. Like, part of it, I'm sure, is his own internal development. Part of it is just having the supporting cast around him. Part of it is Kellen Moore finally injecting some creativity in this offense that has been so predictable the past few years. Um, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to sound home hard for me to not sound homeristic either, because it does feel like it's all coming together for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the fact that we have, you know, a healthy O-line again, doesn't hurt any. And uh, the fact that, that Devin Smith seems to be, Filling in nicely while Michael Gallup is out. Plus, Gallup is having the breakout year that we all thought he was going to have, you know, barring injury. But but everything seems to be clicking, and uh, and I think they're taking advantage of of uh, the situations that they've been handed. Um, but that brings me to where they fall: a in the rankings and b in the eyes of the general public. Because I feel like, and maybe we should as a society of Cowboys fans should, can kind of blame ourselves for this, but I feel like everybody kind of just takes, oh, this is our year with a grain of salt. Like, it's, it's, nobody's kind of believing in these guys. And, uh, 
the NFL power rankings right now have them listed at number four. Um, they have them behind the Patriots. So it goes like this. Among the undefeated teams, um, they the NFL has them ranked Patriots number one, Chiefs number two, Rams at three, Cowboys at four, Packers at five, Bills at six, and the Niners at seven. They're all undefeated. However, my thing is everybody's talking about how, oh, Cowboys are overhyped, Cowboys are overhyped. You know, they haven't played anybody. They haven't played anybody. Well, granted, you know, the, 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 the combined record of the three opponents that the Cowboys have beaten is one and eight. That's at number mm-hmm. four. But at number one, the Patriots' three opponents are 0 and 9. Yeah. Like, the, I, I don't understand the, the, the hate towards the Cowboys. I schedule. mean, it's hard to wipe away. The, I mean, at this point, it's just history. I mean, the Patriots, they're the Patriots. Of course, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, people don't give a shit that the opponents that they've been going up against have been bad just independently, not just because they face the Patriots. And with the Cowboys, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but, you know, they just don't have the Super Bowl, um, the recent Super Bowl background to, you know, rely on them and say, oh, they really have turned a page. I feel like it's going to start turning around now that we've gotten through the first three games, which have been easy like you noted here average margin of victory 17 points and with the next game next game going up against the saints they are short drew Brees, but this is going to be as competitive a game as they've had so far this year i feel like this um this is the, this was the first chapter of the season you know they they were they went three and oh they pulled away from every single game they did what they were supposed to do and now it's um moving up a level and their opponents' uh, opponents' uh, overall talent level. Right, I, I I can get with that. So, do you think because yeah, the, like you said, the, the their margin of victory is has been seventeen points. The only team with a higher margin of victory among the undefeated are the Patriots with a whopping thirty points. They're beating their teams by an average of thirty points. And I'm not saying that that's something to look away from. Like that's definitely something. Um. But this week, you know, the Patriots play the Bills, so someone's O has got to go there. Oh, yeah. Some somebody's gonna get a loss. Um, and let's—I mean, who are we trying to kid? It's gonna be the Bills. <laughs> the Bills are gonna lose that game, and and they're probably gonna lose it by about thirty points. The Patriots aren't messing around. Um, but let me ask you this: the respect for the Cowboys does it come if they beat the Saints this week, or do you think that we have to wait? Even if they win this week, do you think we have to wait and see what they do back in Dallas against the Packers? For sure, against the Packers is, you know, with the, I mean, you know, the Cowboys' reputation, it's being undercut any which way, you know, trying to shut up the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, and and so yeah. you know, even if they win against uh, New Orleans, it's going to be, you know, they're going to talk up the fact that it's Bridgewater in there and not Drew Brees. And uh, or Taysom Hill, but um, and then against um, mm-hmm. Green Bay would be the game that uh, they would really have to start taking them seriously. I would think. I mean, ultimately, there's going to be the sector of people that say, "Let me see the playoff success before I start taking them seriously." But you know, we can only work with what we got. We can't predict the future. But if they yeah. if they win against the Saints and then win against the Packers, you're looking at five and zero coming off against a win against Aaron Rodgers. And um, 
what's his name? Someone I have on my fantasy team named I, uh, Marcus I, I, Valdez Scantling. I feel <laughs> like he's doing really well. Oh yeah, Mar- Yeah, the man with three last names, Marcus. I know. Valdez I, need to, I need to think about starting uh, this guy from now on. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I think there and and yeah, I, I also am of the thought that we're not going to get any kind of respect until we force it down people's throats and we beat the Packers back in Dallas. Now that's a big if, and I don't mean to overlook the Saints. You know, actually, going into this weekend, I would have said, and I did say, the Saints will be a win. I already marked them down as a W. Then I saw what they did in Seattle in September, a time where Pete Carroll has never lost before. Um, they went in there and, and had their way with, with the Seattle Seahawks. So, yeah, it kind of did. You know, my ears are up at attention, and I'm, I'm it's not so easy this week anymore. Um but we we haven't had we haven't really had too many struggles in New Orleans. I mean, we I don't want to go on last year's success, but you know we we faced them last year. We were able to stop the run last year. That was with Mark Ingram. They're lacking mm-hmm. that now. They're down Drew Brees. I feel like Jalen Smith has Alvin Kamara's number. I'm I'm feeling really good going into the week. Um, but I I, I still don't think that a W here is going to get the Cowboys any kind of super yeah. attention. And I mean. I can't really, I can't really knock that either because how many times have we as Cowboys fans thought that this was the year and then only for it to blow up in our faces? Just like we, yeah, we yeah. need to do our own like uh, reassurance, making sure that this is the team, this is the team to beat, this is the, this is the top Cowboys team of this era. People are hoping that this is the team that. This is the core of this era of Cowboys history, and I feel like mm-hmm. this is the year to capitalize on it. And you know, we're talking about things that are not going to be solidified until the season is over and see how far they make in the playoffs. But they have a reputation of you know the slow starts, the you know blowing games mm-hmm. that they should win. And you know, if they're able to mm-hmm. do that against this, I mean, and to their credit too, if they lose against the Saints or the Packers. To a degree, it'll be understandable. It's not like they lost in Miami or something. But those are the types of games right. that make people think, oh, they may not be quite there yet. But if they were to win those games, it has to turn some heads. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. So real quick before we go back to the rankings, what do you think is a success for the Cowboys this year? Success for the Cowboys? Um... um I would say making it to the NFC Championship game, and you know, making it making it a real uh, making it a real game. You know, not getting if they can make it to the cha- to the conference championship and not get blown out. I feel like that's a success because this core is, is going to be here to stay. They should be able to maintain this core for the next few years. I, they just need to advance, man. They just, you know, of course I'd love a Super Bowl. Of course I'd love a championship. But they, if they just take a step further, I'll be happy with that. We've just been so stagnant the past few years. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And and not trying to look too forward, uh, too ahead in the future or anything like that. But we could. And if if it comes true, mark my words. If it doesn't, nah, I was just saying it as a back thought. <laughs> um, but we could. Very well. It's not far-fetched to say that we get the one or two seed in the NFC. Oh, the no. way that things are looking right now, I know it's early, but it's not far-fetched to say that we get that one or two seed, we get that first where, that first week by, and then we're two games away from the conference championship. So, yeah, I, I am of the same thought process. If we make it to the conference championship, I'm very happy with the season. If 
we make it to the playoffs, but not the conference championship. It's okay, but I still kind of think we got to make some changes. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes, and we'll keep you guys updated on uh, on the Cowboys as as the season goes on. But now to the number one team, and I know I hate it. I hate it. This guy just keeps finding his way back onto the airwaves. The Patriots at number one, they cut Antonio Brown. How do you feel about what he's doing? He's he's re-enrolled in school now, <laughs> apparently. What, what, what do you think uh, is well, going to I'm happy to talk about Antonio Brown this week. <laughs> wait, wait, okay, wait. What, 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 what do you think happens first? The Patriots win another Super Bowl or Antonio Brown completes his degree oh, in college? <laughs> um, no, for sure, for, for sure Patriots Super Bowl. That guy, yeah, that guy, <laughs> what the hell is he enrolling in school for again? Like, this is just another way to be in the headlines, man. Just like, what, what, to what end is this? What, does he think that people are going to start following him and his college degree? What, what the hell is this about? <laughs> I think he thinks that if he fires Drew Rosenhaus and goes back to college, he might be able to play college ball again. <laughs> and, and I'm not entirely sure how that works, but if if it does work like that, that's going to be fucking insane. I think, no, I think once you, don't you lose eligibility once you hire an agent? Well, that's what I'm saying. He would have to fire no, Drew I, Rosenhaus. I think like, I think like from the first time you hire an agent, you lose it permanently. I could be wrong. I could be uh, wrong, but I think... Well, I, mean, I mean, that would make sense. Yeah, I guess. I'm just... You know, I mean, nothing changes really in the long term of his life. He's still a millionaire. He still has everything he needs and is still a piece of shit. But I'm just happy that he's... I'm just happy he's out of the league. Just, I was just... I do not want to see this guy around anymore. I feel like his reputation has gone so far off that I don't think he does make a return. I mean, not only from, you know, the... The completely idiotic text messaging and threatening of one of the people who were accusing him of financially wronging her, and uh, you know, and you know the the sexual yeah, what assault. What a jackass! Dude. Yeah, it's just <laughs> not only was that incredibly stupid, but you know, people see and you know, it's the NFL. They don't rule players out based off of their behavior. They rule them out based on how their behavior relates to their reputation and to their success. And so I think it's at the point now where people don't think that the headache of dealing with Antonio Brown um, warrants signing him. And so he could be the best receiver in the league, but this is a lot to handle. And once you get cut by the Patriots, I feel like even that shows that like the Patriots is where you go to be, you know, like rehabilitated. And they they couldn't yes. do that either. So what would make any other team think that they would be any more successful at it? Yeah, you're talking about a team who is still rostering, not only rostering, but starting Josh Gordon. You're talking about yeah, a team exactly. who, this guy <laughs> has had so many strikes against him. I mean, they've retired the side on him at least four times. Like he, but they still have him. And if you can't hang around on a team that's that lenient and that understanding, there's something wrong with you. It's not anybody else, and it's not the owners, and it's not the NFL. Because he was tweeting, "Oh, I'll never play another day in the NFL." Like nobody gives a fuck, Antonio. Like you're you're gone. Like you, we don't care anymore. You you've tired everybody out. You've already exhausted all of your chances, and and you don't. You're not giving your agent or your lawyer anything to work with when you do these stupid 
idiotic acts like this, like te- texting and intimidating. I don't know if y'all read the text, but it was it wasn't a direct text to the girl. Um, from what I understood, it was a text. It was a group mm-hmm. text. He added the girl who was uh, who was accusing him and his lawyer and one of his buddies. I think it was like a five person yeah. group message, and he was basically you know talking crap about the girl. While she was obviously reading them because she's part of it, but she's not replying because she's smart, <laughs> or at least it, it has common sense. And he's talking about her, how they're going to go after her and all that stuff. And then he puts a picture of her and her kids in the group message. And that was it was just ridiculous. Like Somebody, a person like that, has no business, not only in the NFL, has no business in the XFL, in the MLB, in the NBA, in the MLS, anywhere where, we're, I'm, where you're going to make more money than the common man. If when you don't have common sense, you you shouldn't be. Yeah. You have no. Place it's absolutely. And then just the the guy the gall of this guy to go and then declare that he's not going to play in the NFL anymore. Talking about how teams or owners are not on do not honor contracts anymore. This all like his scandal started with him not honoring the deals of all these people that he scammed to begin with. Who is who is yes. going to talk about this stuff? Exactly, it's a pot calling the kettle black. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and like even for him, just like the debts that he owed are are pennies to him, and he can't he can't yes. even follow through with that. And then he's going to complain about NFL teams not honoring their deals. Like it's it's just ridiculous. And one last and another thing too that I want to say is that I it is so frustrating to me that. Bill Belichick thinks that he can just go on without answering any questions about Antonio Brown. It is so annoying to me because it doesn't matter of what level of success that you have. You should be able to publicly respond whenever your organization screws up, which they clearly did. They clearly screwed up. They know they screwed up because they cut him immediately after those text messages. Um, those additional text messages came out and with that insinuating that they can tolerate all the things that came before, but that these text messages were the last straw. So they were willing to tolerate everything else that came before him. And it got to the point where even they thought this is too much and to just refuse to answer questions. Like I, if I were, if I were a part of the NFL media, I wouldn't let it go. I would continue to ask him questions until he gives a straight answer because it doesn't matter how successful he is. I don't give it. I don't care that it's Bill Belichick. It's like whenever you screw up like that, and you know, agree to a deal with someone who looks who, on all of his descriptions, looks like a con artist, looks like an assaulter, looks like an intimidator, a stalker. It's ridiculous. They need to an answer for that. And I, I would keep like just like that stare down that he tried to give uh, that one reporter who asked her about him, who asked him about about Antonio Brown. That's just bullshit. It's like he cannot they cannot let him get away with that stuff. That just that is so unprofessional and it just does such a disservice to to the journalist. To all not just her, just like the jur- journalism as a field. It's just ridiculous. So, now let me ask you this because this comparison has been drawn throughout both of their careers, um especially since they've been in the super spotlight winning championships and stuff. Do you, do you, would you say the same thing or would you say that, that 
pop acts the same way because a lot of people in the media now it's kind of laughable that he does it because he's kind of like a teddy bear to everybody but a lot of people hearing that would say well you know you're you guys are such big fans of the spurs and of greg popovich but he's very curt with the media too like do you think that that has that that holds any water do you think that that's Uh, no not at all not at all if the if the spurs had someone as scandalous as antonio brown i would be shocked if they did not make any sort of statement about it because that was just antonio brown (laughs) i mean he's a criminal man he's just if if this this happened to someone who was not an nfl player they would be in jail and well because first of all pop probably wouldn't probably wouldn't sign anybody that was in that kind of yeah it's number one that number two the questions that he does choose to not respond to are the very generic basketball questions like, oh, what's your strategy to, to beating the Warriors? It's like, I'm not going to tell you how the hell I think to beat the Warriors. You want me to just give yeah. it away? No. It's just, it's just, it's like yeah, his, his way of dealing with the media is not to say that I refuse to answer. He wants it worded in a way that's actually thoughtful. Whereas Bill Belichick is just refusing, period. He is not going to entertain any. Popovich will entertain whatever you want to ask him if you do ask him in a thoughtful way. Bill Belichick is not doing that, period. Right. Okay. Okay. I can get that. And I can agree with that. Um, So, well, luckily, you know, hopefully Belichick doesn't hear the end of it. Hopefully they they keep trying to pry that out of him. Um, But luckily for them, they've gotten rid of that cancer that is Antonio Brown. Um, And real quick, for somebody who didn't get rid of it, before we move on to the act, to the uh, to the performance of the actual team and get off of Antonio Brown, uh, before we do that, I want to do a quick two second moment of silence for my boy Pablo and <laughs> everybody else in fantasy football who traded for him uh, because Pablo specifically traded Keenan <laughs> Allen for Antonio. Oh my Brown. god! A- after week one, traded Keenan Allen, who I don't know if you guys have heard, but Keenan Allen had 13 receptions for 183 yards and two touchdowns this yeah, week. Yeah, not bad. And Antonio Brown was not on a team. No, not bad. Yeah, so <laughs> real quick, two seconds, and and that's all you get because you made a terrible, terrible mistake. Who did he trade him? You who did he trade him to? Who did he give Keenan Allen to? Uh, he gave him to to uh, uh, Mike. So in my league, we play with a bunch of Dallas guys, and my buddy Mike uh, Palomo took took Pablo. This is Pablo's. It's 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 really his first year in our league because last year he came in, but he kind of filled in okay. midway through the league, and we gave him a okay. garbage team. So this was his first year in a, in a big league, and uh, and yeah, Mike Mike traded <laughs> him. It was it was really bad. It was bad, and you know, and and and. I kind of feel like I should have said something when it happened, but hey, you never know what's going to happen with trades like that. I mean, maybe Antonio doesn't get those texts, those allegations, and he goes off. But for those of you who who did suffer that and who are victims of that trade rape, then you know, I, I want to say sorry, but you did you it, played yourself exactly. Congratulations. And qu- and quick aside <laughs> from me too, I I am not a fan. Just real quick, like thirty seconds, if that. Uh, I am not a fan either of trying to make every trade in fantasy football fair. Like, it's very obvious whenever trades are, like, collusion or, like, there's something fishy going on. But owners, managers are still allowed to make bad decisions. 
So don't worry. Don't right, worry, Pablo. Because, I got your and back. you never know how it's <laughs> yeah. going to play out. Don't worry, Pablo. I got your back here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go, Pablo. You, hey, you know what? You took a leap. You, you, you knew the risk, and, and you, you made a choice. And uh, it was your choice to make, and only yours. And we, so that's why we let it go. But uh, in the end, you played yourself. Hopefully, you learn, and you're a better fantasy footballer. Yes, I hope. I hope he learns from Bill (laughs) Belichick. He needs to put out a statement. I'm waiting for it, Pablo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, but aside from that, the the the, you know all that aside, the the Patriots are three and zero. They're scoring thirty five points per game, uh, higher than anybody else in the league. They have a plus 89 point differential. They're outscoring their opponents by 30 points. Is this a product of a week of a week opening schedule or are the Patriots probably going to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl this year? I mean, as much as I hate to say it, they do have a it's I don't think it's likely, but I do think they have a case of going undefeated again. And it, I mean, it definitely helped. And I mean, a part of it too is the skew of, you know, playing the Dolphins, what, 43 to zero against the Dolphins? Like, come on. Like, yeah. of course they're going to. Yeah, Tom Brady tweeted a video of them uh, running a pick six with the song Welcome to Miami by Will Smith oh playing God. in the background. And it was, it was the most savage <laughs> thing I've seen all season. It was awesome. Yeah, so let me see here. Okay, so like you said, they're going to face off against the Bills and someone is going to lose. And then after that, Man, they're they're scheduled. It's arguably the easiest schedule in the NFL. Yeah, they don't. Okay, so next week against the Bills, if 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 the Bills don't seem to be legit as you think, then you know they'll storm right through there. And then it's against Washington, then the Giants, then the Jets, and then maybe the Browns if they get their shit together by then. It's like, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. Their first test is not going to come yeah, until after that. Exactly. They the so they could. It, there's a reality where they can coast for the next five weeks. That's yes. ridiculous, man. Isn't it? it? It feels like it's tailored to them. So that's that's five weeks, and they get their bye week somewhere in there. So they're coasting for six weeks. They're riding high when they come to uh, Baltimore, play the Ravens. Who knows who's healthy, who's not? Then. Uh, if the Ravens have really, you know, made a name for themselves, then they go to Philly and play the Eagles, who also I hate to say it, but who knows yeah. if they're healthy. You know, then they play Dallas, and I'm not saying that that's a loss for them. I'm not saying that Dallas is a tough team. They have the upper hand in that game too because it's in Foxborough in late in late November, and we all know how the Dallas uh, how the Cowboys perform uh, in cold weather. It's likely going to be snowing. It's going to be tough for them. Um, then they come to Energy Stadium, play the Texans. So if we want to be real, their first real tough toss-up game test is December 8th when they yeah. play the Chiefs. And at that day, they play in Foxborough in mm-hmm. the snow. Chiefs are used to, you know, the Chiefs, it was cold in Kansas City too, but yeah. But, um, Pat Mahomes is a Texas boy. We don't know if he's used to all that yet, but but yeah, I mean, it, it, the Patriots could yeah, go undefeated this year. A season is sixteen games, and there's only three teams that are very good, and one like undisputably near the top with the Chiefs, and then you know you still have to mm-hmm. feel out the 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 Ravens and the Cowboys, but uh, that's yeah, they might anything anything below thirteen and three would be shocking to me. Oh, absolutely. Ab- 
absolutely. If they go anything less than thirteen and three, then something went wrong. Somebody better be hurt because there, there's no, there is no excuse for them to not have the number one or number two seed in the AFC. Second only, maybe to the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Who, coincidentally, the Kansas City Chiefs are ranked on NFL.com as the number two team. Now, I I'm a big, big fan of Patrick Mahomes. Who again um, tore it up. I'm a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, who again tore it up. Yeah, who, I'll have you know, has 1,195 passing yards is that good? in week it. three. Is that good? <laughs> that sounds good to me. That is amazing, <laughs> JP. That is amazing. It's He's averaging 400 yards a game. He's averaging 100 yards a quarter. A quarter. <laughs> he is, he's, he's, he's on pace. He's on pace to throw 6,300 yards this year and 53 touchdowns. Now, to put that in perspective, he threw for 50 touchdowns last year. I want to say was his exact uh, his exact uh, number at the end of the year, and he won the MVP. His second year in the league, but first year yeah. as a starter. A lot of people said um, that he wasn't going to be able to keep that pace up this year, myself included, uh, but, hell, he's – at 1,200 yards, at week three, he seems like he's going to Yeah. It. Now, real quick, the the record for passing yards in a season, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but the record for passing yards in a season, you asked if that was good, is held by Peyton Manning when he was with the Broncos, and he threw for 5,477 yeah. yards in 2013. Patrick Mahomes is on pace to beat that by 900 yards. Oh, man. That is so bizarre. He's, he's, he, yeah. I want to I don't know. I it's it's hard to believe, but you know what? And I heard this I heard this on another uh, sports show on Fox uh, earlier today. And I don't normally agree with that person, but it's a thought that I've had in my head since the end of last year, since midway of last season. Patrick Mahomes is quite possibly to the NFL this year what Steph Curry yeah, did. Yeah, that's to exactly the what I thought of whenever you were describing that to me. Mm-hmm. Like I I mean, this guy, he seems like a prodigy. He seems like the next big thing. He looks like the guy who is going to be the face of the NFL for the next 10 years, maybe. Like, Yeah, he's going to change the game. He's literally, he's changing the position. Mike Vick, and we talked about this, I think, in the first episode, but Mike Vick was close to changing the position. He got through a lot of, he went through a lot of things. Didn't end up being the player that we wanted him to be. But Pat Mahomes... Not only does he have the legs and the arm that that Mike Vick had, the speed and whatnot, he has a, a, a dip, he has almost a sixth sense. The guy throws without looking at you. I honestly believe that he's probably going to throw one behind the back this year, <laughs> just to just to spice some things up. Like he he the way that Steph Curry made the three ball the uh, the norm, the way that Steph Curry kind of got rid of big men. The way that Steph Curry just up to the pace of basketball, I feel like that's what Patrick Mahomes is doing, and and doing very effectively in the in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, who's who's gonna stop him? It's crazy. It's you know, it's one thing to say whether or not you're a believer, but you have all the evidence in front of you that shows that he is going to be a historic player, and already has been for someone of his uh, experience level and of his youth. He already is among the best of the best to be at his level, and 
he doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. And I mean, I think that comparison is accurate. He's this, he's like what we're entering now in the NFL era is equivalent to the Steph Curry era in the NBA, which is bizarre to think about because the whole NBA is completely different because of Steph Curry. If, if Patrick Mahomes carries that kind of relevance in the NFL, how can he not go down? Like, it's crazy that we're saying this about a guy in his second year of being the full on starter. But how can you not say that he goes down as one of the, you know, most uh, uh, monumental players in NFL history? Yeah, he's definitely he's electrifying on the field. It's amazing to watch him. I'm not the biggest, nor have I ever been the biggest Chiefs fan. Um, shout out to Drew Finley. I know you love the Chiefs, but uh, you know it, it seems like it's finally happening for happening for you guys. And uh, and hell, it, I mean, for all we know, he would have been in the Super Bowl last year if it wasn't for a couple of bad calls in the AFC Championship game. So we'll see where they're going now. The big thing about their record too is that their opponents are the best among the the uh, undefeated teams right now. Their opponents are four and five. They're outscoring them by an average margin of twelve points, two scores. Uh, their point differential. Is not as high as the Cowboys, but it's 37. It's still pretty good. Um, next week, they're playing the Lions. I do not think that that's a real test. The Lions are undefeated, but they yeah. have a tie. Uh, they tied with the Cardinals. I, I don't think that that's a real test. Even even though it is in Detroit, I think the Chiefs are going to carve them up just like they've done everybody else. Um, but that's something mm-hmm. to watch. Patrick Mahomes, definitely, if, if your team is not playing at that time and you're looking for a game to watch, you don't have the red zone or something, you want something to, to keep you entertained – Turn it to the Chiefs channel. He's and it's not it. even like, uh, clearly he's the one leading the way for Kansas City, but it's it's not all on him either. I mean, um, you know, they they have a, a rookie a rookie uh, wide receiver named Nicole Hardman, who, yeah, yes. who's been yep. filling in really well for Tyree Kill. And uh, well, who, let me see, who else do we got here? Yeah, Miko Hardman was actually mm-hmm. drafted because they thought that they weren't going to have Tyreek Hill. When Tyreek went through all that stuff with his girlfriend and, and or his his you know the, right. the mother of his children, um, they thought they were facing a suspension, so they they drafted Miko Hardman uh, to fill that role. Now they weren't going to need him, and then Tyreek Hill goes down week one, so they ended up they ended up using him. He hit twenty one point seven eight miles per hour, I think, this past <laughs> week. On his uh, touchdown run, so they got the speed where they need yeah. it. And Lashawn McCoy still showing that he can pick it up whenever he needs to. He had, I think, two touchdowns this this weekend too. Yeah, yeah, he's he's showing that he's still hanging around there. And I, I know after week one, they had asked him uh, how it felt, you know, being out there on the field, and he was almost out of breath. And he was like, "Man, it was like a track <laughs> meet out there today." <laughs> he's like, "These guys are so fast," <laughs> which is it's funny because that's what he was known for. Shady McCoy, when he was in his prime was known for that quick cut, the quick speed, quick getting up field. Um, he had a down year, his first down year last year, and uh, and it feels like, yeah, he's he's finding life because of the rest of the, the team around him. And it, I mean, I just can't stop mentioning it's it's the Warriors of the NFL. They're picking up the pace. They're going so fast. They don't care. They're running it down your throat, or they're shoving, it, they're shoving the ball down your throat, whether it's on the ground or the air. And uh, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see uh, – how, how far they mm-hmm. go this year. Yeah. So those are the top three, Patriots, Chiefs, and uh, Cowboys, I think. Yeah, among point difference. Uh, no, not uh, – was it points per game average is, I think, what they're at the top of. And then after that, it's, uh, yeah. what, 49ers, Rams, Bills, and Packers. Who, of what, of that group, who do you think is most legit out of, the, out of those teams? Of that group, um, I think I'd have to say – 
Ah, it's tough, but I I think I'm gonna have to go with Rams. the Rams of that group. I I I I you know no disrespect, but I I don't believe in the Niners yet. And it sucks because we we have two more weeks before we see anything else from them because they're on bye this week. Uh, the Bills, I just I never believed in them. I don't care if they're three and zero. The Bills are garbage. <laughs> they're, the only reason that they're winning is because they have really good defensive backs. They don't. I don't even want to say that they have a good defense because their D line is is average. Their linebackers are mediocre. Their defensive backs are a one. They're really really good. They're all ball hawks back there. And and that's what's been what's been keeping them above water. The Packers, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. You can't count out Aaron Rodgers ever. But I just they're they're averaging nineteen points per game. Like they're they're barely squeaking by there. Their point differential through three games is only seventeen points. They're only averaging they only have a average point margin of eight points. So you would expect more. And honestly, I mean, the Rams only have nine points, but still, against four and five teams, a Ram team that went to the Super Bowl last year and bring everybody except for Indomitian Sue, I just, I believe in the Rams more than I believe in the Niners, Bills, or Packers right now. Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree as well. I just, you know, it's the, you know, Bills, like you described, I got to see more of it to believe it. And odds are they're going to get destroyed by New England next weekend. And then, um, 49ers oh, on a bye week, and they had a really easy schedule as well. And then uh, Packers, Packers and Rams, they were the, along with the Chiefs had the most had the toughest schedule, had the best combined opponent uh, record. But um, yeah, I mean with the Rams, I mean there's a reason why they went to the Super Bowl last year. And then the Packers, it's Aaron Rodgers, and if he comes in with his all denim outlook, you're fucked. Like like this, yeah. th- that's th- that's it. So yeah. But on the other hand, if the Rams, and I don't know what they're thinking or why they haven't, but if and when they get Todd Gurley going again, watch out. Because, they I mean, they're, they're if they're this good, they're undefeated through three games against a total of four and five without, really without using Todd Gurley, who mm-hmm. was in the running for MVP last year too. Like he, without using somebody like that, they're doing this well. If they get him back in, in, in the rotation as as much heavily as they used him last year, it's going to be a whole different story. Is and he was uh, Todd Gurley. He he has his own stuff going on, right? He yeah, he, he's got arthritis in one of his knees. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he signed a huge deal, and then it find found out later that he was arthritic. <laughs> yeah, he the which is why it took the Cowboys so long to pay Zeke is because. The most like the richest running back deal in league history was given to Todd Gurley, and then it was later. I got knee problems. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, credit to him. I'm always, I'm always for the player getting paid. So, kudos to him. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if the arthritis just came along suddenly or what you got to do to hide your arthritis, but right, <laughs> he's he's got he's got the bag. So, <laughs> yeah, he secured it. So now he's gonna just coast. Um, uh, rounding out those, so that was, uh, there's seven undefeated teams. Those were the top seven spots. Um, I do think the, the Cowboys are, they're ranked number four. I think they should be ranked number three. And after next week, possibly higher if the Bills beat the Patriots, which I doubt. But rounding out the top 10 real quick are the Bears at number eight, the Vikings at number nine, the Saints at 10. Notice that I did not mention the Ravens. The Ravens are ranked at number 11. They're two and one. Their only loss has come to the Chiefs, and they only lost by it was five. 
five points. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was strange. I mean, they were they were hanging in there. I mean, they were down by eighteen. They were they were starting to make the comeback. They fell short, but I mean, it's the Chiefs. Come on, and so yeah, and, and that's true. But I mean, when okay, so yes, right? Like it was close. It was close. You know, it could have gone either way. But think about this: the Ravens went for it on fourth down four times. They got it three times, but they missed that one. Uh huh. Not only that. They went for two three times and failed all three times. So that's either another six points, or if you just go for the extra points, another three points in which you're only a field goal away from winning. Mm-hmm. And it changes the whole aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, I mean, there's the two school of thoughts of playing conservatively and getting the extra points or commending them for winging it and you know making those daring plays. What side are you on? I'm on commending them. Uh, and it's it's because it was against the Chiefs. If it was against a team that they should have handedly beat, then they would have no business doing any of that because they can lose something. They they'll lose the game, but they'll also lose a lot more rankings. Mm-hmm. Now I think they slid a lot further in the rankings than they should have. I really really believe that they should be in the top ten. Honestly, I think they should be number eight, right outside of the undefeated teams. I should be number. They should be number. Oh yeah, eight. yeah. The Bears have no business being that high. Um. So I'm on the side of, you know, go for it. Harbaugh, you're playing the Chiefs. you got nothing to lose. You, you go balls to the wall because you know that Pat Mahomes is going to be doing the same thing on the other end of the ball. Yeah, and say speaking of the young quarterbacks taking over, I mean, they have Lamar Jackson, who's looking himself like one of the quarterbacks who, you know, is going to be in the conversation for the next few years. It's going to be, I mean, th- that could be a new rivalry, just Mahomes versus Jackson. Yeah, exactly. I th- and I think it will be. I think in the AFC – the the if things keep going the way they are in the AFC it, it's looking like Mahomes and Jackson uh, no disrespect to Sam Darnold but once he comes back from cooties then we can reevaluate his game <laughs> <laughs> and Josh Allen as well but we have that dynamic duo going against each other in the AFC in the NFC if Carson Wentz can get healthy it'll be Dak Prescott Carson Wentz they're the two young ones um, if Kyle Allen keeps going you know there's just there's a bevy of young talent coming into the league right now. And it's really, really exciting to watch. And I'm sorry for Lamar Jackson for being dropped so far, but something tells me he won't be that low on the rankings for too long. And already snubbing Daniel Jones. You need to learn your lesson, man. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, the man, Danny (laughs) dimes. I'm sorry, Daniel, but you got to show me a little more. Hey, um, good point that I heard about, um, about his performance. You know, really amazing performance. You got to take what you can get. He looked as good as anyone could possibly look. Two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. But you know what would have made it better? Having, Od- having Odell Beckham to pass it to. <laughs> yeah, I, you, can't, you can't argue with that, I guess. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know that... I don't know that Odell wouldn't have already like if he didn't get traded in the offseason, he would have probably already demanded a trade anyways if you let Eli go for two games. They will, yeah. however, I will say this, they will be getting Golden Tate back in two weeks, which isn't Odell, but is another threat yeah. on the receiving yeah. core. Yeah, he's something. But but they lost Saquon Barkley. So Yeah. Well possibly <laughs> eight weeks without Saquon Barkley. 
Yeah, four to eight weeks. Now, when you think about it, and this is for you uh, fantasy players out there, if you're fielding or if you're rostering Saquon Barkley right now, you really want to keep up with the news and keep up with the Giants. Even if you don't have any other Giants players, you need to watch their games because if the Giants, Saquon said that it's four to eight weeks, but he's going to come back as soon as possible. That's what he wants. But if the Giants fall into a place in the standings where they have no chance, where there's no way that they get to the playoffs, I don't see them bringing Saquon Barkley back. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't care if it's week seven or eight. I don't see it happening. I don't. I don't. I. I don't see it now. I don't see what the point is of bringing him back sooner now. Like what? This is a developmental year. Just let you know. Just let him rest up. Make sure that he's a hundred percent. You know, Daniel Jones is going to have more attention on him than he normally would with Saquon in the backfield. But, I mean, hey, man, those are the growing pains. Get those out. Use this use this year as an opportunity for him to shake off shake off that rust. You know, it's um, I don't I don't see a downside to it. I mean, this I mean, they're not hoping that this iteration of the Giants team is going to like make it to the playoffs and the Super Bowl. So just experiment. Let the young guys have it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Also. If if you sit him and you shut him down, uh, he doesn't accrue another year of playing, and he's not going to bust a Zeke in two years early. You get another year of not having to re-sign him, basically. Yeah. So if I'm Dave Gettleman, yeah, I take the licks and, and let Daniel Jones learn the hard way. And, and you know what? If he succeeds without arguably the number one back in the league behind him, then I'm even happier because now my new era has started, and I'm and now I have – you know, the highest of hopes when Saquon does come back fully healthy without being rushed next year. Yeah. I mean, they're just in the stage where they're not that good, and that's okay. That's a part of trust in the process. Yeah, exactly. No one, not even, none of their fans were expecting them to win it this year. So yeah. that's that's a plus in this in this situation. Okay. Anything else you want to go over? Uh, um, I was, oh, really quickly, I do want to say this. If it sounds like I have a little bit of pep in my step, that's going to be because I finally logged my first W for the year in fantasy football. <laughs> nice. Um, sorry to wallow, but I had to drop the dub on him. Uh, and, um, you know, I did it on the back of, of Evan Ingram and of oh, uh, God. Nick Chubb. Oh, God. That, <laughs> Evan Ingram. That has also the reason why I lost this past weekend. <laughs> Freaking Evan Ingram. See, and that's another reason why I'm kind of happy about the Saquon. I wouldn't say I'm happy about his injury, but how I'm living with his injuries because I have Ingram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a lot of my – let me see here. No, a lot of uh, – I had a lot of players who came up short, and I also made the grave mistake of sitting both, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Marcus Valdez-Scantling and also Tony Pollard. I should have thought oh, about I should no. I should have thought about that. Just, you know, Miami, it was Miami. I should have thought that they were going to they were going to bench Ezekiel at some point in the third or fourth and let Tony Pollard have it. I should have just mm-hmm. gone for it. Yeah, but nobody I I think even in garbage time, nobody would have expected both of those running backs to be over 100 yards. Yeah, true, true. Like it, it was a it was a and it's funny because it's funny to say that because I know I was kind of shitting on him earlier, but I'm going to have to do it again. Pablo also uh, benched Tony Pollard, <laughs> and and not not only did he bench Tony Pollard, he had Saquon Barkley in his starting Oh lineup. man! So uh, the year is just not going got, well for yeah, him. Yeah, he got a one-two piece. <laughs> yeah, he got the quick one-two eye jammy. But uh, keep an eye on that Saquon situation. It, it's got a lot more uh, more ripple effect than than you may than you may believe. Yeah. Um. 
But I think that's that that'll be that about wraps it for the NFL. Uh, we want to move on to the NBA. Talk a little bit about a little bit about the Clippers situation here. Yeah. So it seems like the Kawhi drama has finally settled. Um, we mentioned him a little bit last week, but uh, we thought we'd save it for this week to discuss everything that's happened over the past couple of years, and you know, of course, us being Spurs fans, the emotional attachment we have with uh, Kawhi's movement. Uh, he finally he got his wish, getting us Antonio, got his championship in Toronto, and is now with the Clippers, and. Um, I mainly just wanted to talk about this to see now that it's been it's been over a year now and um and really two years if you think about the beginning of everything that went on. Uh it seems like the dust has finally settled. It seems like Kawhi got what he wanted and the Spurs are moving on in the way that they want to move on. And um you know just just off the top just what are you, what are your feelings now now that time has passed? Um, here's the thing. I, 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 I loved Kawhi. I, you know, a diehard Spurs fan. I have kind of a little upset more than anything because I, that's the only jersey I have now. I have Kawhi's jersey <laughs> from the year that they won. I got the gold little trophy on it. Um, special edition with the, with the five X on the back. But, um, Mm-mm. but you know, it was just it, the way I wasn't upset that he wanted to leave. I, at, at the beginning, and I'm just going to give a background to this, I was just upset at the way he did it. You know, he wasn't showing up. He didn't go to the playoff games. I don't think he came back for Pop's wife funeral. No, for I Pop's don't wife's think funeral. so. That was the tipping point for me. That was when I was like, all right, dude, like, that's not family. That's not the way. We don't deserve that. And when I say we, like, I, I wasn't physically hurt that he wasn't there because it wasn't my family that was going out. But I know that meant something to Pop. And it yeah. means something when you're, when you're a part of a brotherhood like that and somebody who treats you as well as the Spurs – treated him whether he may think about it or not you know i just didn't like the lack of faith in the organization he's talking about a a um, a group of a medical staff who kept tim duncan mono ginobili and tony parker on the court for 20 years like he they were able to keep these guys on there and 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 have them be effective i just didn't like the way he went about it a b when he went to the raptors i didn't want them to win just because I didn't want him to succeed after the way he did everything. Obviously, the one year in my entire life that I would go for the Warriors, they're going to let me down because <laughs> they hate me just as much as I hate them. Um, but, you know, skip two. Now he's with the Clippers. I I will say this. It may be too early in his career to call it. But if he wins, if he goes to the Los Angeles Clippers and wins the championship this year, I know it's gonna sound far fetched, but he in he's in my goat talk. Oh yeah, absolutely. Three three, three different franchises, two different countries. It's uh, two both conferences. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, I I I don't think that's far fetched at all. Like, I think he already is an unstoppable player. Like, honestly, to me, he seems like a he, to me he seems like a better version of Kobe. And right? He's yeah. just much, much more, like, he's much more tough to play against. I mean, he, he's just so much more impactful on defense than, than I think Kobe was. Yeah, he has a three-point shot that Kobe never really um, sharpened. 
He Kobe was also a very good defender, but Kawhi is elite level, um, and like one of the defining figures of defense over the course of his career. And um, yeah, man, you know, you say all those things, and you think, man, just like God damn it, why couldn't it work in San Antonio? Why, right? Why, why couldn't it just happen? I mean, to me, it to me it sounded like he didn't know how to get out it seems like he always knew that he wanted to end up with the clippers but he didn't know how to go about doing it and it seems to me like whenever he had his injury he saw that as his opportunity to make it about that and not that he just wanted to leave because you know you have you never see players who just choose to up and leave a great organization like the spurs that you've won a title for and but he wanted to do that and I don't remember the last time someone just did that. And he knew that if he just openly stated that he didn't want to be there, he would be villainized. I mean, he already kind of was, but I feel like he would be more so if he went about it that way. And it just seemed like he used that injury as his opportunity to get out. And But I, I, I honestly think that I would have felt better if he would have just said, you know, I, you know, thank you guys for the opportunity. I'm glad I was able to bring another ring to San Antonio, another trophy to San Antonio, but I I want to go home. You know, I want to go home. I, it's been my dream to play at home, and I no hard feelings, no no bad bad vibes for San Antonio, but I want to play at home. And I feel like that would have been so much better than the way that he did things. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I just think that they didn't know how to go about it, and I, I honestly think that they were just afraid of how they would be revered if they went about it that way. Because nobody ever puts it, you know, there's always layers to it. Whenever players make trade demands, there's always layers to it. And no one has ever been so clear cut about wanting to leave a good franchise like that before. And uh, I just think that they didn't know how to go about doing it. And it, be- it became messy. Um, like you said, I wasn't upset that he left. It was the way that he left. And I mean, at this point, I, I'm glad that he got what he wanted. I'm glad that he's in L.A. It kind of puts my mind at ease, thinking that I'm not crazy, that he always wanted to do that all along. He ended up signing with the Clippers. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that that was the only destination that would have made that would have made everything make sense to me. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, I do. I mean, it sucks that the Spurs are not in championship contention anymore. I do like the young talent that they have. I think that they could get back to it. I mean, they still have major moves to make. I don't think they're there yet, but I think they're doing the most with what they have, and I think they'll be there eventually. Um, I'm glad that the Clippers... I mean, mean, it's just good for the league that the Clippers and Lakers are both going to be really good, and it looks like the Clippers are edging them out right now. Um, I just... um, I don't know. I just... It's a weird moment in Spurs history to root for a team that you know is not winning a championship and yeah right like the first time that we are kind of yeah six and i honestly i would say that and this is just because i'm i'm biased i understand that i'm biased towards the spurs but so i would i would still say that i'm 60 40 we could have a chance like we we have a chance you know people people break out and uh i think Dejounte is going to be a huge huge difference um, so I I do think we still have a chance, but realistically, yeah, it's it's tough to be like, nah, we're we might we might get the six seed maybe, you know, or like wondering yeah. if we're gonna get there or how hard it's gonna be. We've never had to worry about the difficulty of making it to June. 
Right, right. And so, um, I mean, I think they still make the playoffs. I am a little higher on them than I feel like the general consensus is in the NBA world. Um, I do like their potential. I'm still a fan of DeMar and LaMarcus, even though I feel like at some point within the next year or two, they're going to have to make some tough decisions on those guys. Um, I think DeJounte is going to be really good again. I think Derek White has very strong potential to be one of the best six men, if not a solid starter. Um, Lonnie Walker, still very raw, but I think he can be very good. Um, you know, it's, they just have a lot of pieces that they that they need this year to make fit. And, um, you know, again, this, this, this isn't the year that they're going to be they should be gunning for a championship. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it'll be a good way to set up the years to come. And then you have Kawhi and the Clippers, and they're set. This is this is their year. This is they need to start, um, especially since both he and Paul George are only guaranteed the next two years. They need to they need to make these years matter. And I mean, they're they're in position to do so. Like they're they're not a for sure thing to win the championship, but I think. If I had to pick a favorite, it would be them. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely picking them as the as the favorite to win it. Um, not my favorite to win it, but yeah, the NBA favorite to win it. How? Okay, so let me ask you this, because I saw this come up somewhere. I can't remember where, but I saw this come up somewhere. So LeBron gets knocked for needing other stars to help him win championships. Um. Uh, Anybody that knows me knows that I've never been the biggest LeBron fan. Um, after he left Cleveland that first time, I kind of just, you know, wasn't on the bandwagon that much anymore. But um, he gets knocked for needing other stars. In Miami, it was Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. When he went back to Cleveland, it was Kyrie. Now it's AD. Do you honestly think, or do you think that people honestly think that Kawhi didn't text Paul George before he made that decision? Oh, he absolutely did that. There was a reason. So is that different? Is that not different then? I mean, this I'm the wrong crowd to speak to about that because I've never been. I was a LeBron hater in Miami, but that was whenever, you know, he shifted the tides of the league. He, um, I mean, I think it was Boston who really started the big three movement, but it was really with him and Bosch joining Wade in Miami that really started the whole player empowerment of joining together, making big threes. And I think that's what threw a lot of people off and it led to, you know, anger, frustration because they didn't know how to deal with it. I'm one of those people that was just like, man, fuck that guy. He just up and leaves yeah. Cleveland and, you know, they're trying to take a shortcut and win championships in Miami. But I mean, after a while I understood it. I mean, I was happy that he got Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving in Cleveland and last year, it was just, I didn't enjoy watching him because it was for nothing. I mean, it was LeBron and then Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. Like, nobody wants to watch that. And so I'm happy that they got Anthony Davis. And with Kawhi, I don't, I don't think it's that much different because Kawhi, everybody needs the help. You know, there's no mm-hmm. singular superstar that wins championships anymore. That's just not the way it goes. You you at least need another guy or you need a team that's heavily stacked from top to bottom, which is kind of like, you know, the 2014 Spurs, um, the, the I mean, the Raptors of last year. They had Kawhi and they had a bunch of other guys who were very, very not not really anybody you would call superstars, but they had a very strong team top to bottom that couldn't be matched. And um, I don't I don't knock Kawhi for joining the Clippers because I mean, if he didn't join the Clippers, he was going to join the Lakers and we would all be fucked then. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> then it would be ridiculous. Just give them the trophy, cancel the season. Yeah, and so uh, the reason why I wanted to, in particular, use this week to talk about Kawhi was because there was a recent story in the Los Angeles Times that went into more detail about um, how Kawhi exactly ended up with the Clippers. And it sounded like he wanted to join the Clippers all along and just kept the Lakers along as a backup in case the Clippers didn't really have anyone, uh, couldn't really seal the deal. And it describes um, Kawhi meeting with uh, the owner, Steve Ballmer, or with Coach Doc Rivers, um, and really honestly going over a list of stars asking him who he wants to play with and um trying to it was basically wait, Kawhi. Wait, with, with Kawhi. yeah as Kawhi asking him who he wanted to play with yeah as part of Kawhi's free agent pitch they brought along players who they not they brought along a list of players who they thought they can get if Kawhi committed and the first i don't know if you read or heard about this but their his first choice was kevin durant he he reached out to wow. Kevin, yeah he tried he tried reaching out to Kevin Durant about joining him with the Clippers that did not go the way that it went and so next up was Paul George he looked down that list and told them okay get me Paul George and then of course they made that blockbuster trade for Paul George and once they agreed upon the parameters of the deal they called back Kawhi and said hey we got a deal ready for Co- for Paul George are you in he said he was in and they made both moves happen wow. So that's as I mean, when you get into, I don't want to say ethics, I guess, but if you're a basketball, if you're an NBA player, you want to set out to be the best, not only that you can be, but people are talking about you as possibly the best that ever, that ever was, or, you know, on their way to being that person. Do you, do you try and solidify that on your own? Because honestly, I'm, I'm, I was against the whole super team idea, but when we think about it, because you said, you know, everybody needs to do it, nobody can do it on their own. I really don't think that anybody had, the last person to really do it on their own was, and no disrespect to the rest of the Mavericks, but was, was Dirk, right? Like everybody, so it's, it's tampering, it's trying to, to collude but it's also kind of necessary no one ever does it by themselves yeah exactly it's it's not really a question of how if someone can why doesn't anybody choose to do it on their own the question is really like how successful can players be if they choose to do that because you can say you want to do it on your own and that you believe in the team and you're just gonna trust their process meanwhile lebron and anthony davis are joining up Kawhi and paul george are teaming up James Harden and Russell Westbrook are teaming up, and then you're. It's possible that you're just left with a supporting cast that isn't really that great. It's possible that Giannis is going through that right now, yeah. and so Giannis has openly declared that you know he loves Milwaukee, wants to stay there. The team has already said they're going to offer him the supermax, but you know they those guys got shut down by Toronto last year, and if he goes the rest of his Bucks career with Chris Middleton being the best player that he ever plays with, like it may not be worth it to him. Yeah, and I think he did say, right, like he even said, like I, when he was saying that he loved Milwaukee and stuff, he kind of, I don't know if he let slip or if he really did mean to say it, but he was like, you know, they basically said they got to do more to help me. Like, yeah, I'm he, here while I'm here, but I, I would need some help. He, yeah, he wasn't exactly like using it as a call out for Milwaukee, but he was saying that, you know, he was saying something along the lines of, of course, players want it to work out wherever they are. 
and he wants it to work out in Milwaukee, but there gets to a certain point where if the team is constantly failing you, you got to think about moving on. Yeah, yeah, okay, I see that. Yeah, and so I, I do, and to corral it back to what we were saying about Kawhi, I mean, I don't really, I don't really see it as a knock against him. I mean, if anything, I see it as like, as soon as, if anything, I see it as a positive for him because this is a guy who. Nobody knew what his personality was like. Nobody knew what he really wanted. I mean, we all had our suspicions, but no, no one had the inside information to truly show what his intentions were, what kind of person he is. He doesn't let any details out about his personal life. And he yeah. crafted everything the way that he wanted it to go. He got out of San Antonio, he got his championship, and he got to L.A. And he got the guy that he wanted to play with on a team that's really good and already primed for a championship. I mean... This guy is a low-key a mastermind. Yeah. Well, but let's also not I oh man, I know I know how great he is and I know how really really good Paul George is and um who the what pa- Patrick Beverly is their other guy who's their other their other their third best player. Mm, yeah, probably Patrick Beverly. Right, Patrick Beverly is is nothing to to swipe under it. the rug either. Um, but I, on paper, it looks amazing on paper. And I said it earlier too. They're my favorites to win the the championship, but I also, I kind of have to find myself like, I got to tell myself to pump the brakes every now and then, because we saw what happened that first year in Miami, they got swept by the Mavs. Actually, they got swept by, by Dirk and the Mavs. Did they get swept? No, not, or did they go no, not swept, but it was a, no, it was, it went to six, but. Okay, but it, it was like it. by game five, yeah. But like by game five, people knew that something was wrong. Yeah, so it, it does take a while for for chemistry to uh, to work out. However, I, I don't think that either one of these guys, and if anybody, it's it's Paul George, it's not Kawhi. But I don't think that either one of these guys have that superstar ego, so they do have kind of a foot up. But there's, you know, we're it it's hard because, like I said, I did say they were the favorite, but hearing you say they're already primed for a championship kind of got me because these guys haven't even the Clippers as a franchise have never won or correct me if I'm wrong, but they've never won a championship. No, the Clippers as a franchise have never made it to the, or at least in our era have never made it to the conference championship. I don't think, I don't think so either. So that kind of gets me wanting to pump the brakes and 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 get back a little bit and and let's let them play first. You know what I mean? Let's let them play and see yeah. how it works out. That's fair. You know, I don't know. I think. Uh, well, I mean, it. Nothing is certain. Um, I think the Clippers did as good of a job as they can possibly do about getting a team to get getting a team together to be in championship contention, and not to mention they did an amazing job like as good of a rebuilding job as you can possibly do does it occur to you that two years ago they still had blake griffin chris paul and deandre jordan two years ago that i can't believe it feels like a lifetime ago that those guys were all on the clippers yeah and as yeah and then it all fell apart they were supposed to go back into into clippers uh basically clippers purgatory and yeah. now they're here looking like the geniuses of the off season. It's yeah. 
It's yep. it's crazy. I, I didn't think about that like that, but yeah, you're right. They went from oh, we're clearing house and rebuilding to hey, we might win the championship this year <laughs> in like two years. Yeah, with a team that may be better than the last iteration that they had. That people thought that was the peak of Clippers basketball, and we may and it may be this one. Yeah, yeah. I I I'm still I still have a lot of questions about their front court. Um, honestly, my main questions about their front court will always and maybe until middle of the season will be who is their front court yeah but uh I, you know i'll keep i'll keep watching keeping an eye out for that um it, so i i don't want to jump the gun and say they're gonna win it all i kind of want to backtrack that a little bit but i will say that I'll, I'll be watching almost every game that they play it's gonna be great yeah yeah it looks like um yeah I mean, a lot of their players i mean the talent does drop off after Kawhi and paul george but uh i don't think the benefit that they have is that they've constructed a roster consisting of no players that are bad. They all have solid, they have solid players from top to bottom who I would love to be on the Spurs. Like the talent level clearly drops off after Kawhi and Paul George, but even the guys after them, I would still be happy to have in San Antonio. And so good, not great. And two superstars. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. Which I mean, I don't. I don't know. In this in this league where everything just shook up after this past season, this past summer, that may be enough to win a championship. Now, it could be. I mean, it could be in a in a in a conference where Clay Thompson is out for most of the year. However, it did come back. It could come on the news the other day that he might be back sooner than sooner than thought of at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have that huge window where the Warriors are playing without Clay Thompson. They don't have Iguodala anymore. Um. Draymond is not the same defender he was three years ago. Uh, you're playing against a young Jazz, young Nuggets, and all that stuff. Yeah, they have a really, really good path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I think. Uh, I mean, we'll 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 dive more into it because we have exactly we have a month until thirty days. Yeah, we have a month until the uh, season starts up, and. Uh, we'll be able to get more into it in the coming weeks, NBA previews, talking more about, um, you know, just going a bit more in-depth with it and talking more about the the league as a whole. But I just thought it'd be a good idea to talk about Kawhi because, you know, it, it seems like it's over. Yeah. And so, I mean, it sucks, but I don't hate the situation the Spurs are in now. And, I mean, Los Angeles has to love where they're at with both the Clippers and the Lakers. I mean, this is the best that... Uh, Los Angeles has ever been period when you take both teams into account. So yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay. All right. Well, anything else that you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think that's, I think that's about it for me. Um, just want to say a quick thank you to the guys that are the people that have been listening that continues to listen. Um, give us any feedback that you want to on either one of our Twitters or Facebook pages. And, uh, yeah, come back, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Spotify podcasts, just about any streaming platform that you can find a podcast, double shot will be on there. And we were made for your morning commute, but we're there for any commute you have or any kind of chill time that you have. Um, listen to us, let us know what you think.